0: Hey, guys, welcome back to Seller Sessions and Awesomers.com. Today's a co-brand with my friend Steve Simonson. We have with us today Kevin King. We also have Kian Gulzari and, of course, Steve Simonson. How are you doing, gentlemen?
1: Good. good, Danny.
0: Excellent. Uh, it's another sunny day in paradise for us all, I think. Steve, you're in the safest place on the planet, which is not on the planet because you're in the, in the space now, aren't you?
2: Yeah, me home? and Branson, we have our own little private capsule. We have to float around in space while you guys deal with viruses and stuff. So don't worry. I'm okay. Excellent. It's can, Elon up there as well.
0: Elon's, well, Elon's he's in right an adjacent.
2: He's got his own capsule. But, yeah, we sometimes we oh,
3: connect yeah. for uh, – play a little cards.
2: Excellent.
0: Nice. And, and, Kevin, I can see some sunlight where you are as well, mate.
3: Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of coming through, coming through here in Austin.
0: Yeah. And uh, also in Scotland, mate, where they normally yeah, hide the sunshine.
1: Yeah, there's no sunshine here. It's just grey skies as well. I'm looking at, uh,
0: yeah. Excellent. All right. Good. I'm going to just share these out to some of the groups. Um, right. So let's kick things off today. We're talking about diversifying off of Amazon. Uh, I want you guys to pitch in. You've got diversified businesses. We can talk Shopify. We can talk investments and stuff like that. Uh, Kian also wanted to talk a bit more about um, an extension of the conversation about uh Canton Fair going online and, and what that impacts on. So maybe we start with that and then we can manoeuvre into other areas for diversified income. Is that right? Good.
1: Idea. Sure, yeah. Sounds cool. good. Off you go. Yeah. So, you know, as we were just sort of chatting a little bit off air, you know, the Canton Fair made the announcement quite recently that it's going to go online and I think it's going to be June. Uh, I don't know if a, a date has been set yet, but what we were just saying is that like the two things that I love most about the Canton Fair is meeting the people that you're doing business with and building those relationships and really sort of understanding who are the real ones and who are the fake ones. And then also touching and feeling the products that you want to develop and seeing what they've really got. And it's, it speeds up the process so much just by sort of being able to make a decision of who you want to make uh, do business with and what products you want to then go out and produce. Where it's like it takes a while to build those relationships like over email and then receive your samples, find out that they're no good, find someone else. So it's gonna be a lot more time consuming and a lot more costly to do it outside of the Canton Fair. So those were just my two cents, but I guess we can chat about it in more detail as well.
0: Kevin, you'll take Yeah,
1: my
3: take I, it's similar to Keon's, and that's the advantage, just those relationships actually touch going being able to walk through those halls and actually holds things and see things and just it shortens that window of weeding out the the good from the the crud. And then also with it being online, I just think that's especially for our market, which is the Amazon seller primarily, uh, it's not a good thing uh, at all uh, because now you're going to have, it's going to be just like an Alibaba. Everybody's going to see the same stuff. Everybody's going to be able to see the same stuff, same suppliers, it's going to be. I mean, one of the things I love about the Canton Fair. I, I think I mentioned this before. Is you know, I'm one of what maybe a thousand Amazon sellers that go to it or something like that. Yeah. And I'm finding suppliers that aren't online, that are not on Alibaba. That, you know, they're like, nope, this is the this is our booth. This is what we don't have a brochure. We don't have a website. We don't have nothing. Uh, and that you're going to lose all that. So I'm actually, I think, I think Canton has to do it because. Mm-hmm. You know, their their vendors uh, are are screaming for it, and they don't really care. Uh, but from our perspective as an Amazon seller, I don't think it's a good thing.
0: Yep, sounds good. Good, um, Steve, your take.
2: Uh, well, in general, I agree that it, it's not ideal for the the average. Well, for the the Amazon seller who wants to be awesome,er right? Uh, mm-hmm. they, if they really want to differentiate, if they really want to uh, understand and accelerate that, to Ken's point. Canton fair is useful. I personally, I would, I won't miss huffing it around that place. Uh, There's plenty of ways to get things done. Uh, Some of our best ideas that we've uh, come up with in the last 90 days, we're not from Canton, we're not from Iwo, they're not from anywhere. Uh, So Mm. the job can still get done. Uh, I I do think the it's a face-saving move, if I can say so. Uh, You know, the I I said back in January or maybe early February, it's going to be canceled. And I got a lot of flack by the way. Everybody's like, Oh no, it's not officially canceled. They're still counting it down on their website. I'm like, Okay, yeah, you're right. I said cancel with a question mark in fairness, but uh, you know, I'd like to feel a little vindication because an online show is a face saving maneuver, it's not a productive show, it's certainly not the power that uh, is walking around Canton. Like Ken said, we can see things, we can talk to people, we know. Uh, viscerally what's real and what's not. So big, big difference.
0: Can I make uh, – well, uh, it's probably an outlandish statement, but do you think that Canton Fair is overrated? Like I've been a few times, right, and I found is that you get hauls of the same stuff over and over again. I'm sure you can. You know, you find nuances there, but on the whole, it's just such a big place. And there's a lot of repetition there. That, um Yeah. I, just I, think, I,
3: th- I think if you're newer to the sourcing or you're just wanting a one-stop shop or you you run some store in the middle east you know a little market mm. it's it's okay but i think there's a lot better ways to source once you really get into this and once you become serious mm. um as steve was uh, to steve's point you know there's 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 much better methods
0: yeah yeah i think that's what i mean it's a good place to start get experience build up knowledge-based negotiation and stuff. And then, obviously, I know people like EWU is like a flea market unless you know what you're doing. You can spot down there if you've got translators or you've got uh, a team of people that can help you to navigate those markets as well. I suppose it's a good entry point, isn't it, on a broader scale? Or if you're selling like uh, Me Too products or most common products, especially in home and kitchen and stuff, it's a good resource to negotiate when you've got products that are very similar to each other. So it gives you an ease of negotiation.
3: One of the things I like about, I mean, I guess from Canton, the thing I like most is not so much do I find a product there that I'm going to sell. Mm. It's an idea generator. It's a brainstorming session. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm walking yeah. through there going, oh, that's a cool. I never thought about that category yeah. of stuff. Or, oh, yeah. wow, that guy's selling that. I just saw 20,000 other people saw the same thing he's selling. What mm. if I did this, this, and this, and this? Uh, yeah. So that's the biggest benefit
0: for me. My, 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 for me, my favorite part of ever going to the Canton Fair is that it cuts – through everything because when you're like I kind of march and walk along and you can literally if you're 10 feet away you can generally see quality and the fact is you can walk up and pick something up there and then you've just shaved off a load of time on say Alibaba getting images the images are not that great and then from there you're obviously getting samples sent to you and you find all this stuff out later but within 15 seconds of picking that product up you get a good feel for things and that's one of the key advantages as well
1: yeah I, I feel also it, d- it depends on a number of products that you're actually sourcing because if you're just one brand with a couple of products then going to the factory is more than enough but yeah. uh, like a few years ago like i was doing like hundreds of products like for our camping and outdoor brand and it was like it was a savior for me because i could see the majority of my suppliers all under one roof and i could have like 50 60 different meetings a day and get so much work done in those five days i mean yeah. i'd go on the first bus in the morning come back at the last bus at night and then have the suppliers in for meetings in the hotel and even in those five or six days of phase three still not get all my work done so yeah. that that was amazing versus having to go to visit all those factors individually so it depends on the number of products you're doing if you are sourcing quite a lot then it is still an amazing fair. and to yeah. kev's point as well it's great to get new ideas as well because uh depending on your relationships with the suppliers they like to show you new products but they don't have that front and on display but they'll have it like in the back but if you build yeah. enough rapport with them if you have good enough enough relationship with them you'll see a lot of new products there as well uh which we'll miss but definitely going to the factories where you do the best work in my opinion and mm. i sort of uh, view sourcing from china as like beginner intermediate and advanced like your yeah. beginner is your alibaba your intermediate is the canton fair and your yeah, advanced correct. is in the factory yes. uh, so but there's still a lot of volume that goes through that intermediate level at the canton fair so now mm. you know it's going to make things a little bit more challenging i'm gonna have to spend a lot more time in china uh, in the factories directly now
0: yeah Makes total sense. Cool. Well, we kind of covered the issue. We start to think about some of the other off Amazon stuff that we were going to talk about. Steve, you uh, obviously sell on Amazon, but you do a hell of a lot off Amazon as well. What kind of things can uh, can people look to do in the current climate from your opinion?
2: Well, uh, first of all, the, the summary for me, if I take Kian and uh, hmm. kevin and your comments in for those fairs it's not the size of the event it's how you use it everybody and uh th- <laughs> yeah. that really goes uh, i i can make canton really
1: work well uh, do you know I what? i've
0: never really seen the canton well. fair this huge canton fair uses. How are a you guys laughing i'm making a legitimate point here <laughs> yeah
1: you're no, right you're right okay,
0: you're right.
2: okay. okay so, so just, you maneuver guys can write that down make yeah. some t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> um so Jesus christ yeah okay the the my objective here is to talk about how we diversify now. Yes. Uh, and, you know, there's a few things T- to me. I, ha- I think you have to start with the context of where you are. Yep. So, there's some sellers right now. Their context is I, I sell luggage. Nobody's buying luggage. It's a catastrophic situation. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't have any diversification luggage solutions for you, the context matters. Because that's, that's a tough problem. We have to look into alternative categories. We have to look into triage. Um, whereas if you have another category, uh, let's say supplements or something that is, is blowing up, your, your problem may be, how do I cope with cash flow? Or how do I you know, uh, ramp this thing up? How do I... So th- those are two ends of the spectrum. So context matters. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, knowing your brand's why is important. Uh, for us, we start with a multi-channel from the beginning. I, I think maybe Kean does the same, and say what, where can we sell this? Who are the the typical buyers? And we want to find buyers at every level, not just Amazon kind of consumer buyers. Hmm. But you know, where else do people shop? Do they shop in big boxes like uh, warehouse stores? Do they shop in grocery stores? Do they shop in uh, you know uh, apparel type store uh, stores or what have you? Department stores. So knowing that why is helpful all of that said it's still tough to to transition into kind of that big box so there's a lot of other ways to do it we'll talk about that but knowing your the context and then the why to me is a beginning point
0: yeah makes total sense cool so let's talk about um let's split it up into a few areas because we've got amazon sellers are doing very well in the current climate they've got some cash they're sitting on do they go back into buying more inventory which they will anyway but what do they do with that additional cash for rainy day for recession proof? How do they diversify? Now, Kevin, I know you've got probably about nine businesses here, eight or nine businesses you're a machine.
3: Uh, oh. I, have a few, I have a few, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got three. And I've got diversification in the three different type of revenue models, which has served me well in the current climate. Yeah. What what should people do out there? Because I see it quite com- common is that there's the the rush to Seven figures, and some people got there based on leveraging their finances to get there and maybe get caught out and don't have a, a lot of cash on hand.
3: I mean, if you're new, uh, I mean, to Steve's point, it's all context. Yeah. I mean, he's in the uh, it makes total sense for him when he,
0: yeah. Oh, we lose, we're losing you, Kevin.
3: Kevin's turned
0: into a robot, everybody. We've, we're losing <laughs> Kevin. Oh,
3: oh,
0: oh, am I back? He comes. There we go. He's back. There, he's back
3: all right i don't know to steve's point it's, it's all about uh, context you know for someone like him who's established been doing this for a while got a big team coming into it multi-channel yeah. from the beginning is the is is ideal i think for mo- a lot of people yeah. but for someone that maybe is yeah. watching this that's just getting going or they're doing a few hundred thousand dollars on amazon uh, you know there's a lot of people that teach out there you gotta diversify don't put all your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. and i disagree with that in the beginning if you're new if you're yeah. brand new uh i think you actually need to focus on one channel whether that's shopify or whether that's amazon or whatever your 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 Mm -hmm. pillar choice is um just focus on that and try to master that as much as you can get that going take advantage of it and then expand out and amazon is one of the best places and not the best place Mm -hmm. because the eyeballs are already there uh it, it takes the last least i mean there's a lot of moving parts to amazon but um it, it can be a little bit easier to get going there than versus trying to set up your own Shopify site and driving traffic and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so um, that's where I think you should start and then worry about diversifying off uh, once you get that going. Yeah, uh, and- no, I
0: totally agree. I just, I'm just trying to think of, you know, that if people are, say their money's tied up in inventory right their amazon business going along but they're kind of treading water because they've got no existing, additional revenue there they're going to then have to use their skill sets and sell their time i suppose on the side does that make sense you know, the make biggest thing,
3: yeah, yeah the biggest thing you can do if if that's the case hmm. is as an amazon side, it's a very unique skill set you know, when I when I bring on uh, partners, uh, like in one of my one of my businesses, I have uh, I have partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is a you know their their specialty is sourcing, uh, and another one's specialty is finance, is, is money. You know, putting in the money, and then my specialty is I know the e-commerce and Amazon. And what they said to me, I have the highest percentage in this company uh, as mm-hmm. far as you know the breakdown, and the reason I have almost twice what they have. And they they say it's like look it's easier to go find another sourcing agent or sourcing person it's easier mm-hmm. to go if you got a good idea to go find somebody else to give you the money but it's very very difficult to find someone that knows this amazon e-commerce business mm-hmm. uh and so if you're a seller out there that's already doing well you have a s- unique skill set you know how you've already been wearing a lot of hats you know how sourcing you know about money you know about uh marketing you know about something about a lot of things and so you could leverage that. There's a lot of people that are either not on Amazon or that are on Amazon that are completely screwing it up mm. and starting some sort of little agency or, or taking on other people's accounts for a, a 5 or 10% commission mm. uh, can can be, and you could be a lifesaver for them and they'll pay you. And that's, you're basically selling your knowledge or your air. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to go out and start a course or anything like that. There's plenty of people yeah. doing that already. Yeah, uh, And most people that do that. You know, they spend a lot of time developing something and sell five, five courses uh, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so, or a software, a software company, uh, you know, so I see people getting into that too. And most of those people have like 10 subscribers. Yeah. Um, so I think the best thing for an Amazon seller from is to leverage that knowledge base you have and help other people, other big companies. Uh, yeah. And they're dying for it. They can't find it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what, over like macro is to go to these larger companies that use Amazon as a channel, but their team are, are not very knowledgeable about it and go in and consult for them and do some of the he- heavy lifting on that channel being Amazon. Yeah.
3: It doesn't even have to be a heavy big hitter. It might be the mm. local. I mean, I mean, take advantage of the situation right now. Look at all across mm. America and the world, stores are closed. A little mom and pop store that yeah. maybe it's some lady uh, that's uh she's she's really good at making candles and soap. I, I'm just yeah. making this up. You know, she's yeah, yeah. Yeah. she's got a candle and soap, soap store that's uh down the corner, and then you know, she normally sells a thousand dollars a day through there and th- tickle pink. Mm. Well, and she's got all this inventory sitting there. Maybe you go to her and you say, Look, you know, I know how to put this stuff on Amazon. I'm not saying you should do candles and soap. I mean, that may be something else, but just for example, and you're like, look, let me do your Amazon listing and uh, I won't, just give me a cut. You know, what do we do? I'll take 10, 20% and they'll probably be tickled pink. It's a win win for both of you.
0: Yeah. So just to break down, like that model that you're talking about, the agency model, the way it works, normally it's about $3,000 a month management and then it's a percentage of revenue. So it's anywhere between 1% and 5%. And when you hit 100 grand, it's it's a sliding scale down. Now, the other model that you're talking about was percentage only. The danger of that is that you can literally spend six months to a year building someone's Amazon business, but suddenly when it, the invoice comes in at 10 grand a month, they, they start to get a little bit wavy with that. You get yeah. Bit- you know? So it's, it's it can be kind of difficult. So a, a model like that, if you want to go out and manage accounts, the hybrid model probably works best. You may not get three thousand dollars a month plus the percentage now, but you might get half of that and a higher percentage on a sliding scale. So that's another way of looking at. But managing accounts, I don't we don't do that. We only do PBC strictly. It can be labor intensive, but it doesn't matter if you only need some money on the side and you've got, I don't know, two accounts you're looking after and you get three three to six grand in a month, that's not a bad living for someone in the middle of a downturn if you're a bit sh- strapped for cash.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And just uh, eBay, for example, came out with a kind of a, this idea of the, the main street bridge, right? eBay's mm-hmm. going, hey, you guys can list free stuff online. So all these retail stores who are closed, you can put your stuff online for free on eBay. Mm-hmm. And this is This is a great thing and it's a great idea, certainly nice PR. The reality is 95% or 98% of those stores would have done it already if they knew what they were doing. So this Mm. skill set, whether it's eBay or Amazon, is uh, valuable. Uh, Amazon's adding a little extra headache to us by saying, um, A, you can't ship in inventory in certain categories, so that's Mm. not great for Amazon sellers. And B, even Prime two-day delivery often now takes 30 days. So that that's another uh, uh possibility. So we we have to deal with those realities, and I agree with Kevin. Amazon is by far the best place to to get your get your feet wet, but when you're literally out of business because Amazon can't keep up, and that's fair on their part, just to be clear.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
2: only so many doctors, there's only so much cubic space, so many humans. Yeah. Uh but that, I think whether it's eBay or Walmart, any other channel, helping people is a great idea and they need the help. They're desperate mm-hmm. for the help.
0: Yeah. I agreed. And like you said, you know, you might not like to do phone bashing, but it's probably a good time is to to look out, uh, look onto Amazon, decide what products you want to sell, then look at these stores and start phoning around because the mindset's probably changed. You know, if you've done it last year, you won't get a returned call. But it's a different time now, isn't it? And like with what's going on with China and what's going on in the US or the UK, the mindset's going to be a lot different now. If they can't sell out the front of their store, they're going to be open to new ideas of selling online. So um steve should we move this on to things like i don't sell on shopify or sell, sell personally off amazon but you do should we talk a little bit about that as well is that uh, you know if you're in a situation you're doing well on amazon at the moment but you're not looking to invest in new products but you're looking to go wide in terms of your distribution what are some of the things they should do and then we'll come to kian as well
2: well uh, you know the first thing is Uh, I like to have uh, alternative channels like Shopify or Magento or WooCommerce or whatever it is. There's different reasons. I know that we get stuck in the echo chamber and everybody's like, uh, I heard Shopify repeated 86 times, so that must be the only game in town. Hmm. But believe me, there's, there's options, there's alternatives, and it depends on what your business goals, objectives, your own strengths are. But let's assume that people are on Shopify, and I have some Shopify stores. Learn how to promote those stores. Learn how to drive revenue in. It ain't as easy as Amazon, but no. actually, if you start doing the economics, if you pay 20% uh, in ad costs to acquire a customer on Shopify, you're about the same as many of the Amazon uh, commissions. Um, and by the way, having a third-party logistics center is one of the key pieces to making that work, in my opinion, hmm. particularly right now when Amazon is struggling with their their own uh, FBA hmm. center. So I really like to have that. You know, this week we have, you know, seen on certain categories, we've seen it just explode. And the, that that reality that people will ser- search and shop and buy elsewhere is upon us and, and those behaviors will change. So I say at least get a, another site. If you only have one product, hmm. it's really hard to make that work.
0: Yeah. So there's it's no variation, really hard. Is it? yeah
2: it just, and, it, be, it doesn't seem
0: credible to a lot of people. and I, and I definitely say because of acquisition costs as well, if you've got consumable products, thirty dollars and above, there's a much better chance for you than a product that's you know a me Too, it sells at twelve ninety nine to make the numbers work.
2: You know? impossible. Yeah. yeah, anything anything that is going to be less than thirty dollars in contribution from a customer, it's going to be really hard to make, uh, uh money on the cost per acquisition. If you guys don't know that math, please start to understand it. Yeah. It's a yeah. really important one.
3: If, if you only have a single product, the only way to really that you like, like to Steve's point, you really need a, a range of products. But if, if you are one of those that has a single product or maybe two, uh, the the better way is not a Shopify. It's to actually put it through a funnel. You know, either using mm-hmm. Click Funnels or Sam Cart or one of those. Yeah. And, and to, to the point of, you need to know your acquisition cost. Uh, the the way to do that is to upsell.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: so so that's maybe your product is a twelve ninety nine product, and you just the math doesn't.
0: We lost you there, Kevin. But Abigail was saying, what about a funnel? If you have a single product, that would use to discuss it? Yeah. Sorry, go on.
2: She's right. Kevin's right too. Yeah. Uh, yeah by the way I think Empowery has the has uh, Kartra as as kind of a preferred resource over click because it's got more stuff yeah. built into it it's kind of yeah. like three times the value uh, yeah. and I also sh- shared Empowery.com slash roi people can go check their their math on you know how many impressions how many clicks how much they're paying. What's yeah. the cost to acquire that customer? And there's even a little recurring revenue you can check your lifetime value again. So
0: no yeah. math,
2: please. Please.
0: Uh, do you know what as well was one, one good skill that you can learn is if you're able to drive a traffic to a landing page, people don't understand the science behind the build of a landing page, where an image sits, the eye line, how it goes up and down, how people scan bullet points. If you can learn the anatomy of a landing page and be really focused, just like what Kevin said there, you've got one product. The last thing you're going to want is links across the top to distract. You want one entrance in. And then you have one call to action. And then if you can work out with your Google Analytics, how you're working out with whatever traffic source that you're using, extrapolating that data, and then you build in like a a cross promo there and work out your customer acquisition costs based on if it's also a consumable product as well. All of those elements is going to make it a lot easier. And if you can do that with one product and understand the science behind it all, then you can expand it across the rest of the site and you can scale that.
2: Yeah, I should say this, and I'd love to Keen's opinion on this, but we had a brand uh, that I bought as kind of a liquidation thing. Hmm. Uh, we couldn't send any more stuff into Amazon, even though it was a very critical category It's a standing desk, right? So those have been blowing up during this situation, but it was not. they were not accepting it algorithmically. And so we were kind of dead in the water and our largest customer for that product is the home goods brand uh, retail stores uh, is a division of T- TJ Maxx which they closed all their stores and they're online by the way On- yeah. they're online so it's a really weird thing so we have you know thousands of these desks sitting around so we made a funnel one page yeah. funnel we're advertising, we know our cost per acquisition, we have the contribution margin and the, the revenue mm-hmm. and it works and it works really, really well. So uh, I don't know if Kian's had experience with that, but it
1: certainly works for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, when dealing in this sort of situation and looking at other different channels, you have to really analyze and understand uh, for yourself and your own business what is your propensity to risk and what is your cash flow available. Because there are a lot of different channels that you can take. You know, I, I'm more, I'm a lot more experienced in the whole like retail and licensing model, which has taken a hit as well. Obviously, the the retail model for stores being closed, but licensing is still very, very effective as long as those products are still being sold online but then it's also what is affected by our current situation as well because like we were the number one bestseller on NBA.com uh, in homeware for the NBA face pillows that we were doing but the NBA season has been shut down for a month. So like obviously the license, but maybe like a a Nickelodeon or a Disney license might go down really well because kids are at home watching Disney movies and stuff like that. So you can sort of adopt the strategy of, okay, what licenses do I want to go after? What licenses add value to my brand and and what sort of market can I benefit from? Because remember like when you get a certain license, you're also getting that demographic, which now likes your product because the license they like, that logo is now on your product. So you can capture a whole different market uh, through a license um, and then with the retailers as well you know you could try and gear yourself up to get into a retailer for when this thing goes back to normal but the the challenging thing is that like retail because they've been closed for a while they've had a stock pile up and normally retailers like to order their products like one year in advance so when we're uh, supplying a lot of retailers in the UK they would give us their order the forecast order for the year and typical retailers who don't commit to the stocks. I'm sure a lot of people are in trouble right now, but um, you, we would just have to drip it in. But they're, they've probably got a massive pileup because all those products have already been produced. Um, but then I think like, if you're gonna go down the Shopify route or uh, another store online, is for me, there's like three main pillars. It's content, traffic, conversion. It's as simple as that, right? And your content has to be A1. You have to be putting out the best content with best videographers, best photos if you want to stand the chance because now more than ever, brand is the most important. Uh, then traffic. How you sending traffic there? Well, everyone knows about and like Google And the type of traffic
0: as well. It's the quality it, of the traffic,
1: you know? Yeah. Exactly. But now I think there's a massive opportunity uh, to pick up influencers on the cheap. Because bear in mind, the influencers send a lot of traffic, but now their revenue's really dried up. Because like now they're not as in demand anymore. So for example, like a lot of the travel influencers, I was speaking to them a lot, some of them are very big followers, like 1 million followers. They can't send traffic to travel bags anymore. Uh, so they're just sitting there with this warm, engaged audience. So now like leverage that to get yourself a much better deal with influencers, which have been more effective to send uh, traffic to your store. Um, and then the conversion as well, just as you guys were talking about, make sure your page is actually optimized and use this time to learn a new skill. If you don't know about like landing page conversions, optimization, all that, just take uh, take a day, take a week, just master it. You've got the time now. So so just go for it. Yeah. And let me just jump in,
2: Danny, and just say this, that I recommend progress, not perfection, right? Yeah. So you have to, you're, you're going to have to optimize. You're gonna to have to get good, but do something, not nothing. And, and mm. Kim made a really good point about pivoting, right? The, the fact that, you know, certain categories, maybe the NBA is down, but maybe, you know, something else is up. We, we had a, an exact example of this, um, mm. But for I, I have some health conditions uh and so i i couldn't find masks and so i'm like i gotta find me some masks and so finally i found a dental supply company that had masks and they said yeah it really sucks for us because no dentists are open we're gonna go out of business hmm. and i said uh well that sucks uh i'll buy the company how many masks you got <laughs> and, so, uh, and then i shopped for another dental supply company so uh so the, the dentists who are all idle and, and not able to do stuff, other people need this stuff. So finding a way to solve a problem uniquely is yeah. is uh, an important thing. And there's a lot of variations of that. Uh, grocery stores, for example, are now packaging food from local restaurants in kind of the ready-made containers so that they can keep those restaurants busy. Uh, yeah. Guys who make pillows, guys who make fashion, now they're making masks. Uh, there, there's lots of examples of these guys pivoting. Everybody's pivoting. Yeah. Uh, to to try to help and 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 just figure out how to make money and keep the keep the world turning.
0: Yeah, and going back to this whole thing testing, if you like, a lot of people got time on their hands and they can learn this. So you don't need a lot of money. I'll give you an example. In t- 2010, I um I built a a startup that no one want, wanted. Spent 14 months in stealth production, built a whole team, never tested it with anyone, and it was a fucking complete disaster. Excuse <laughs> me, it was a complete disaster. And then after that, every business I built started with a landing page with some copy and Google ads and I thought if I test that and prove that and I start getting some phone calls and I can learn from that I've got a business if not it don't matter so I probably went for about eight to nine different businesses until I landed two or three of those they were service-based businesses but it isn't that difficult you just got to remove all the other filters away and just focus on what's important now I tell you now, Facebook ads and Google ads are a lot more progressive now than using Amazon ads, as you can see. It's like Fisher Price in comparison. But you know, if you spend forty to sixty hours, which we've got time of now, you can develop quite high level skills there. Learn about landing pages. There's places out there like uh, a uh, Conversion XL, was a fantastic blog the uh the, the the conversion expert there is uh pep larger he's the godfather of conversion optimization this is way before russell brunson and everyone else go and read some of that stuff there it's incredible um what you can learn and literally if you've got an internet connection there are ways to make money but you just have to spend maybe on each project allow 300 or 400 pound or wherever currency that you are in to do this and just go through and test and test and test
3: I mean, to your point, what you could do even on that, uh, Danny, is go learn uh, how to do Facebook or how to set up a Shopify store or affiliate marketing. Yeah. And if you don't have inventory, set you up a store with not one product, but 50 different products all around uh, PPE or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and yeah. then all affiliate links go into Amazon or go into wherever and use other people's money um, yeah. and, and and learn. And you're going to see patterns. You're going to see things throw some random product out there. Maybe you're thinking about selling this or something and see yeah. if anybody bites and see, see what happens. You can, There's a lot you can do if you get creative and pivot. Hmm.
0: Steve, do you want to add anything in uh, here?
2: No, I think all of those are, are very fair points. It, the, the reality is if you have something that people want, you've got to figure out how to get in front of them. By the mm. way, the Amazon prime shoppers are aware that they can't get everything they they used to get. Uh, mm. I was talking to the the buyers at Costco the other day. We were trying to, you know, uh, come in and, and solve some problems. And they're like, listen, we're not talking to anybody. It doesn't matter if you have an account or not. We're not talking to anybody unless you are selling, you know, like the food and the, th- you know, just the very yeah. front end thing. So th- the world is crazy. It's upside down, but the more you think about how to solve the problem uniquely, I like Kevin's idea, spin mm-hmm. up a site. I like your idea, uh, a quick site, Throw some traffic at it, learn, get better, smarter, yeah. faster. Well, especially Don't if you're going
0: to, yeah, if you can learn from phone calls, that's an amazing way to learn. Because you know, we always have this discussion. Everyone will tell you the same thing to do go out and find your customers, go to a coffee shop and speak to them. How many people do that? No one. But you'll tell them, I will say to people, go and find and know your customer, but I won't take my own advice to do that. That's the greatest way to learn or an inbound inquiry. So if you do build a site, you're going to learn more. From not someone hitting the page and buying something, you're going to learn more if they have to phone you and ask questions because you can really pepper them to get the answers you're looking for as well.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Dan. Also, and I I was just going to say, like, you know, a lot of people are looking at opportunities in like different categories, different sectors, different. Uh, channels and whatnot. But another opportunity is just looking inward in your business, dealing with your existing customers and see how you can now over deliver for the customers, which you've already bought from you. Because like we always say, you know, you're at the mercy of Amazon and they control your list, but anyone who's built a community and has developed a brand and has access to their own customer base, will start phoning those guys, start reaching out to those guys and see how you can better deliver for those guys and turn those people into brand evangelists and more loyal customers and then get more sales out of the people that you already have in your ecosystem, rather than going out to try and find new people.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Um, there's a, can I get to some of the questions in the feed? Sorry, Kevin, and, you go first. You
3: no, know, even if you like what, what Keon says, if you have a customer list, so many people are always worried about, I got to get the next customer. I got to get the next customer. I see. I, I'm a, I People don't leverage the data that the, the, your customer list is your, one of your most valuable assets. Mm-hmm. And I, so many businesses don't actually maximize that at all. They're always worried about the next customer versus going within. So maybe... If you, like, back to your point to tie this all together is if you don't have a lot of money right now or t- money is tight but you got a list of uh, say a hundred thousand customers on your email list maybe why don't you go back and to tie that to Kian's point is help them out say hey look we're gonna tr- I found a mask factory or whatever factory we're gonna put it in an order but I want to help our customers we're just gonna pass along at cost or we're gonna mark up a, a small amount if you're interested in joining let them finance the whole order. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you help. Not only are you maybe making a little money to put a few thousand bucks in your pocket to pay your bills, uh, <clears throat> but you're also helping them, and they're going to reward you. And that can extend your brand. There's so many things you can do uh, if you just get creative about
0: it. Yep, indeed. Um, so Owen Burrows says, which to develop your first your own e-commerce website or a Shopify site?
2: To me, those are the same thing. I have to so say, that's what yeah. I. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's just a choice. You know, you might Shopify be is on just a t-
2: platform. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: right. Exactly. Um, what have we got here? This is the big question, so I'm going to cover everyone's faces for one second while we we'll read it out. So, hello, masters. Kevin says, "Thank you. I'm working on the representation <laughs> deal of a brand from Europe that is all these on Amazon EU. I would be the re- responsible to import and launch their products in Amazon USA. They don't sell in the USA. I have two questions: How can I import the reviews of Amazon Europe to Amazon USA? I don't think it works. I think it's the other way it goes: US back to." eu and it's based on the same asins and how can i get brand registered in the usa i'm only i am signing an exclusivity contract obviously i'm not the owner of the brand but need to find a way to gate their products so So, yeah yeah, you're not gonna able
3: to brand registry is not gating Uh, uh, let me let me me clarify that and as far as the the first question there about the the reviews it there is an option on amazon in the u.s that it's it like danny said it it goes the other way automatically, but there's an option that says show international reviews or show reviews from other marketplaces in the U S. So before you get some reviews in the U S there will be something that shows down there. in most, most cases, if it's listed on multiple marketplaces where they can see those. Um, and then as far as the the brand registry, you're not the owner of the brand, but if that brand, uh, you can register them, they're going to have on their behalf in the U S if they, and if they already have a trademark somewhere in Europe, you can use that. You don't need to go through the process in America. I mean, from a legal point of view, they should go through the process in America because that's what's going to help you legally in a court of law if there's an issue. But from an Amazon point of view, it's not necessary to get brand registry. So you can use their trademark. They're going to have to uh, respond to a couple emails that Amazon is going to send on your behalf and then give you permission uh, into uh, uh, as your email or whatever you're logging in to do that. And it's easily done. I've done that in the past.
0: Cool. Uh, let's see if there's any more questions here before moving. move in. Oh, here we go. Owen, I was wrong. Uh, happy to admit I'm wrong. Owen says, Danny, my reviews went from UK to US. That's good. Uh, I think that's
2: more, uh, based on the English language bit. Uh, the, the international ones, I, I think are more like Kevin said, you have to kind of opt into it. Uh, right. but I don't, yeah. I'm not positive. They change this stuff regularly, by the way, everybody, we could be right today and wrong tomorrow and then right again the next day.
0: Exactly. So what about um investments, Steve? Do you if you I don't know if you talk publicly about it, but do you have if investments outside of general commerce? I know we're not talking about multi-channel selling. We're talking about property or is there anything you invest in outside of this?
2: Yeah, I I'm you know, I have some equities, I have some uh real estate and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as uh, obsessed with it as some of my uh, friends and counterparts. I mean they they are just absolutely Enthralled with that, uh, I, I I do it because you know I, I need to have some uh, uh, I don't know differentiation. But hmm. no question, every time I start a company, not every time, but most of the time, I can put money in a company, and I will do better than any stock market, any real estate. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my strength, and I lean into that strength. Occasionally, we have a hit. Occasionally, we have a miss. Yeah. But uh, that's that's where I focus. And and for me. I never tried to outsmart the market. Right? Everybody was telling me, you know, whatever it was two and a half years ago. They're like, "Sell your house. Bitcoin's blowing up." Uh, you know, sell your house. house. Literally, a guy on stage uh, at a show. I won't won't call out oh, the no. show. And he's like, you know, at, we're back in the VIP area. Kevin was there, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, "You better sell your house. This is Bitcoin's uh, like 18 grand a, a, a whatever." Um, and he's like, "Sell everything. Le- leverage debt. Blah blah blah." And uh and we're, i'm just like this is the most insane thing ever i didn't understand bitcoin then i don't understand it now hmm. uh but we know what ha- has happened so my my point is don't chase the the thing don't try to be more clever than the world right hmm. I, I have all these people come and tell me oh i can i can guarantee 20 percent by this or that and it's like all of that smells weird to me and I, i'm just not a fan so i hmm. i stay with uh you know pretty traditional pretty easy going things
0: when i get outside of my my own uh expertise no, that makes total sense. Uh, Kevin, do you have any other investments? I know, do you talk publicly about that company that's really good at Christmas? I can't remember if you talk publicly. Yeah, so I don't
3: want- yeah that's e-commerce still though. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's, yeah. that's an e-commerce company as well. Um, but yeah, most of my stuff is all in the e-commerce field. I don't have any real estate. That's something yeah. I would like to do at some point, uh, mm. To, but not multi-family homes uh, where you have a uh, that's something like that at some point. Uh, but I'm not there right now. I'm reinvesting everything in e-commerce for the same reason Steve said. Yep. The, return, the returns are better. Uh, yep. And I, to me, I don't understand real estate. And so I understand e-commerce. So to me, I why not do what I understand where I think I have a better chance? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've got some other securities and things like that uh, but no I, I double down almost exclusively in e-commerce
0: well what about new partnerships In let's just say people are a little bit tight for money but they do joint ventures they're they're both parties at excel or amazon uh one may be good at ppc one's good at branding and sourcing let's talk about some options of deals that could be put together there for the audience.
2: Boy, yeah. that's really smart. Really smart, actually. Yeah, I think like, like,
3: like product savants. <laughs> that's right, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. We sl- slid in a little Can you believe that? Yeah, Go what, what kind of character is this? Uh, <laughs> so one one of the things that I think is, is clever is there are plenty of people who have capital to put to work, and there's plenty of people who have talent to put to work. And mm. often when you put those people together, uh, good things can happen. There's deals happening right now. We have guys who, you know, they're they're scared of the equity market, or maybe they want to uh, de-risk an equity market, but they want to figure out how they can get into e-commerce, like Kian talked about earlier. Their retail is struggling, or their 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 primary channel. Even if they think it's going to come back immediately, they're like, I don't want to be like this again, right? So I have I have uh, friends and colleagues and, and partners even that they're so into their own category. One one industry, they will probably lose twenty to thirty percent of the retailers, so they're moving very rapidly to say, how do we open up our own online and direct channels? And so those people, you know, there could be equity deals, there could be partnership deals, there could be all kinds of things. And I want everybody to just think creatively, and and uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have conversations about you know partnerships and and who's putting in what. I will just say, no matter what you do when it comes to that, define. Uh, the accountabilities and the responsibilities for each partner defined early and often the transparency about, you know, uh, percentages, your expectations yeah. about selling all that stuff. Cause during the honeymoon, everybody's happy. And, you know, a year from then it's like, well, I didn't think that. And now, now you got a problem and it, it, the, it can get ugly.
0: Agreed. I think that I've got a, a model that I've got uh, partners with is that there's two things. The biggest challenge is when you both got Amazon accounts, both parties, one, you decide where the brand goes and what account gets sent to uh, and who puts the money up and what the percentage is. So what we do is we have a 70-30. So if it comes through my account, then I'll put up the money, but the split is 70-30. But equally, we'll do a brand through their account and do the same thing. And we use, I won't name the software, but we use, you know, uh, uh, software that, that, that does all your PL, etc. And one of the easy things that you can do at any time is you just run a report. So you're going to run through all of your expenses and et cetera because it's all been put into your into your system. And then all you've got to do is separate a column and divide by two. Then you know where you are in terms of if it's 50-50 or 70-30. And we found that's one of the easiest ways because the toughest one, like you said, is finding out how do you do the reporting like really quickly. And obviously, using third-party software helps with that. And just downloading the report and just, you know, as I said, two columns, that kind of settles it to tell you where you are to a point.
3: One of the things too, like Steve mentioned, that you know the honeymoon period, everything's hanky dory, and then a year or two mm-hmm. later, things go sour, you get sick of each other. He's got a unique, uh, maybe Steve can talk about it, with the shotgun. Uh, uh, what was it called? The shotgun, where uh, a clause that you put in the agreement, mm-hmm. basically if uh, one, one, I'll let Steve explain. It. He can explain it better than me. But it's a, a pretty unique thing that I think is a good idea for anybody going into a partnership to actually do. Yeah,
2: yes, through. you've heard of Santa Claus. This is the shotgun clause, his brother, who's the enforcer <laughs> of all contracts. No. A, a shotgun clause, the principle is as you go into the deal during the honeymoon period, you, you basically say, hey, if if we're unhappy or this thing ain't working, either of us can initiate a buyout and, mm. and essentially say, hey, I will pay you $50,000 to leave uh, right now, and mm. I'll just take over the deal. But the shotgun part of that is they can just say, no, I'll pay you the 50,000 now that you've initiated this clause and now you're out. So Mm. that, that forces the party to bring an offer that is, is that they would themselves accept. Mm. And this, this is a a quick way to just kind of settle all all the potential disputes. It's like, Hey, if things go wrong, you want a divorce, this is the quickest way to do it because somebody who really wants out, will put in whatever number they themselves would accept problem solved.
0: Yeah. And um, I
1: just want to add as well, like see for joint ventures, I don't know if a lot of people know, like how I got started in the NBA business, but I just sent a direct message on Instagram to a former player. And um, that's, that's someone that I knew from university briefly, but I just said, look, you, you played in the league, you know, the players, you know, that you have all the connections in the league. I know manufacturing, I know retailers, I know sourcing, let's put these two powers together and we can develop a cool brand. And that was all it was—just a message on Instagram—and that's how we started. Um, and then that led to so many other things. So I think use this time wisely, as well as like you know, p- look at people within your own network, but then just look at people on social media as well. That you think like, okay, my skill set aligns with their skill set. Send a message, and you never know, you never know where it could lead you.
0: Mm. Uh, Good. Slightly off topic, uh, Stefano is said, amazing people. One question maybe. Sorry, Steve, with have buried you. I'll, I'll bring you back in a moment. One question maybe off topic now. Sorry. Have you ever, have you ever bring in your supplier's competitors' product to improve yours? I see that engine of one of my competitors is better than mine. How can I improve this electrical product? Yeah.
1: Um, I didn't fully really understand the question. He so said, did you ever yes, bring Yes, because I, I've,
0: I, I've just done it in East London accent, didn't I? So yeah. have you ever – he says, have you ever brought – I think he means brought in. Have you ever brought in your supplier's competitor's product to improve yours? So your competitor has been sold at the same factory. You've taken a look at it, and you've right. used that to sell on Amazon, but ultimately you want to improve on that, but it's an electrical category. What would you do to improve it?
1: Right, because I, I wasn't sure as if it, do you buy your competitor samples to analyze them and then make your one better, or do you take your competitors, because it was like an electrical thing, and put part of their product into your product.
0: I, I think what curious. he was saying, he was he's gone to that factory, he's took that product off the shelf, and gone, yeah, right. I'll sell that as well and brand it as my own, but now he wants to know how to improve that product.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I I go off a concept called, like, imitate and innovate. Like, you know, you, you look at products and you get ideas and you see stuff that's working in the factories. Now, for obvious reasons, you never want to copy anyone's product, but there's always ways you can improve on it. And that's quite often, like, the fastest way to develop products as well, because bear in mind that when you take something that a factory has already done their workers are already used to making that product they've already gone through the teething process of developing that product they already know how to cut it how to stitch it how to put it all together right and now you're just like making one small improvement maybe like say okay now we're going to add waterproof coating to this or we're going to make it this like tougher material and then it's a very very small change so you're sort of benefiting off their economies of scale to make your product better that's the way i would look at it and that, that can be done over a wide variety of products one yeah of the ways me- you, one of the ways oh, you would sorry, want to
3: fa- start the one of the ways you would uh, want to uh, maybe you have some ideas for yourself, like, hey, let's make this stronger, change the material. But that may be a great idea. But if you really want to know what the marketplace wants rather than what you think it wants, go take a look on, say, Amazon, even if the products not sold on Amazon. Go take a look at Amazon and look at the top ten sellers by not by dollars, but by units in that particular category and read the reviews. Use a tool like Helium 10's uh, Chrome plugin that will download all those reviews and analyze them for you and look for patterns in there of people saying I wish this was all blue in blue color and there's nobody with blue or I wish this was a uh, stronger or I use it for this purpose I you know there's a hundred people saying I use this to go into the river uh, but it doesn't it's not waterproof or whatever it is and you can find I mean it's a, a great laboratory and companies 20 years ago would spend hundreds or millions of dollars for this kind of focus group research that you can get basically for free and a little bit of your time online now
2: yeah, and I dude, uh I think I'll jump in and help Stefano here because I think he's saying, "Have you ever brought to your supplier a competitor's product essentially to have them knock yours, knock it off?" And um, I would just like to introduce the audience to a concept called R and D. If you've heard of R and D, go ahead and put the definition in there. <laughs> um, but it's everybody who everybody thinks they knows what it is. They think it's research and development, but it means rip off and duplicate. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> I, I can just tell you, every company on the planet uses R&D of that nature. We have a process that we call RDI, rip off, duplicate, and innovate, right? Because you actually have to do something better. You have to do something that's unique and differentiated. But I want to know every single thing about my primary competitor's products, every single mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, 99% of the Amazon sellers who mm-hmm. start are absolutely ripping somebody else's product off the key is how well do you do it uh and do you can you differentiate it and improve and incrementally make it better by using those things uh as kevin said uh, reviews and other feedback but i absolutely um you know r&d baby that's what you got to do and it yeah does not and
3: easy. i I, and I do that with my products too if i'm i'm looking at a product i did this with like say a mirror set i had i was going to do a little cosmetic mirror for one of my brands Oh, well, i did do this cosmetic mirror but i got several ones from my top competitors and I wanted to modify a little bit. I took those, I think it's seven mirrors, and I went into a bar. And I sat at that bar, and it's a bar I regularly go to. And every woman that came in the door, and a couple guys, but mostly every woman that came into the door, I asked them, you know, which one of these would you like? And I got immediate feedback. And uh, I made a few adjustments based on that, uh, that things I just never thought of.
0: Let me have this right. You stood in the bar, you waited for women to come <laughs> in, you walked up to them with these mirrors and gone, Hi, I'm Kevin. Will you look in these mirrors and tell me what's best? Yeah. Did, did you exactly. get, exactly. get any abuse, or was it all good? Was uh, it, was all, it was all
3: good. It's a, it's a local neighborhood bar. You know, it's oh, like okay. a like a Cheers yeah. type of bar that I, I go to regularly. It wasn't I'll just probably, like I'll some weird, some weird old <laughs> some weird old man in there with a briefcase <laughs> full of mirrors.
0: Yeah.
3: Hello, miss. Would you like to look at yourself?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of complaints that day, but uh, you're a, you're here. he needed. That's the point, and a good point
0: it is. You're a braver yeah. man to me. Okay, so uh, it's coming up towards the top of the hour. Um, if there, unless there's any more questions, guys. Um, let's see if there's any more come in. Let's have a look. Hi, Steve, put your head up because we're losing you again. Is there any way to avoid paying taxes? No, I'll start again. Is there any way of avoid paying taxes for R&D moulds if the product is already manufactured before? What is the best way to not get in trouble?
1: I love how the question comes from Facebook user with no profile picture and no name. Facebook user, ask the yeah.
2: following, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if taxes means just paying the fee for the R&D molds. Uh, is that, do you, are you guys aware of some special tax? I, I'm not putting no, it right I mean, you
0: In the UK, we have R&D innovation grants where you get 80% off if you can prove PAYE and et cetera. But I think he's just focused that around moulds. But then what territory is that in, in the US? But more than likely, it's going to be in China. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Again, I, I didn't fully really get the question. Is it like, how do I avoid paying tax for something that I research and develop myself? Because I, yeah. I, I did so not. So is there a
0: way to avoid it's paying real- taxes on R&D moulds if the I, product is already manufactured before? I think he's talking about it's not innovation. It's a replication of the product. So can you get relief off those moulds?
2: So I think, uh, Radul, you can you can jump in here, but I think it just means, can you avoid paying for the molds if somebody's already manufactured it? And um, I, I don't know the the tax bit. Uh, oh, so he, I think he's validating that. So basically, if you don't want to pay for the mold and the factory's already made that mold, there's various conditions where that may or may not be acceptable. If I paid for the mold and I said, anybody else can use it, but when they do, they have to start paying for the mold until I get paid back. Hmm everybody's got to pay their fair share there's other times where it's already been costed out by now and the factory doesn't care and it's a commodity anyway and then nobody really has to pay but the newer it is the more unique it is or certainly if it's an exclusive for somebody you're going to have to pay either for your own mold or pay to to use that mold um that that's just the nature of the beast in my opinion
1: yeah i I think there's a couple of important points here as well like see if whenever a factory is willing to give out a mold as well the factory might be willing to do it because they want the order, but whoever owns that mold, just make sure they haven't designed registered or patented that product in their home market because that's to protect themselves against the factory for basically, uh, you know, letting other people use the mold. The other thing I like to do whenever I develop a mold myself to prevent that from happening is that I like to put my company logo in the mold. So if anyone ever tries to copy it, well, you're going to see my logo and then I'm going to know who did it. Uh, so that's the other thing. If you are going to use someone else's mold, just make sure there's no logos inside there.
2: Yep. So, so smart. Uh, I do want to yeah. say that um, molds actually don't last forever. So yeah, so there's some usage number. If you're going to run out half of the it's useful life, you should pay for part of that uh, lifespan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so people understand that it's not an un, unyielding forever thing in all cases.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and, I, I, go on, Sorry.
1: Well, I was going to say this, the same thing goes with like fabric patterns as well, right? So we do a lot of work for the military. Uh, in the uk and we supplied the military directly but then also just to we call them weekend warriors so people like to feel like they're part of the military and um what we did is we like basically developed our own camouflage which was so similar to the one that the british army used very similar color, similar pattern and like someone pulled up pulled us up about it and said like hey you've copied our pattern I was like, no, we haven't, because what I did was like I I designed the pattern myself, but I put in like a little tiny dolphin and this dolphin comes up like once in every one meter square. So I pulled out a fabric and showed the dolphin. I said, your British Army Camel doesn't have a dolphin in it. So you can also plant these little things in fabric designs as well to prove that it's yours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. Uh, Michael says, hey, guys, what's the best advice for product research for a newbie at this tough time after the pandemic?
3: <clears throat> after after the pandemic, yeah. I mean, right now the product research is a little messed up uh, because things are like. Uh, it- you know, luggage is showing that nobody buys luggage and, uh, everybody's buying supplements or things are elevated or buying PPE stuff. So you have to be careful using the current product research and things are going in and out of stock. So the tools like market, like a uh, helium 10 or viral launch or jungle Scott, they can give you some misleading data. So you've got to go back and look at the past. i mean, like, when I I'm doing product research now, but I'm looking back at like, uh, last summer, uh, you know, before fourth quarter, what was things during a normal month, uh, Uh, if it's not a seasonal product, what's things was things like in June of last year, for example, Uh, and and taking a look at that and then seeing it and having to use my own uh, brain to say, is this product going to have a little bit of a rise because of more people are coming to e-commerce or more people are buying now? Is it going to get a little bit of a bump after this is over? So those tools you can all do that with. It's a little bit more complicated, um, but uh, you can go in and and you got to look at that past and uh, not, not really count on what's happening right now as being what's going to happen in the future.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Um, Okay. Do you have any, no, no more questions. I don't think so. Let's uh, wrap here. Give, uh, if we go around, maybe do Kevin, can you give two options on what people should do now in terms of diversified income, whether that's if you're, if you're low on cash or you've got an surplus of cash, what would you suggest?
3: Well, if you're low on cash right now, it's uh, what what I was saying is either try to help other people uh, get onto the platform, or go out there and create. Uh, if if you're good at the social media or traffic side, uh, create a some sort of affiliate site where you use other people's products and drive that and, and take a cut of the action. Uh, if you're low on cash, if you if you got a lot of cash, uh, I would uh, be. Maybe doubling down in e commerce uh with that. Uh, not so much throwing that into real estate or something else because who knows what's gonna happen with real estate after this, who knows what's gonna happen in a lot of industries. But one thing I know for sure is e-commerce is not going down. Um yeah. and so I would double down in e-commerce yeah. if you, uh, extra cash.
0: yes yeah, Steve is self isolating in outer <laughs> space as you can see from the behind. It's the only um, safe
2: place, Dan. Come on. It's, Let's it's the only place. Program.
0: Exactly. Um so you, Steve, two two ways either you well, bought cash or you haven't I'll, yeah bought, i'll just you know. steal
2: some of the ideas they've said I, I you either have a product to sell or you have time or service to sell uh, yeah. building on kevin's point sell what you got um mm-hmm. the guys who are you know uber or lyft drivers are not getting a lot of business but they can go do amazon flex stuff right <laughs> the, the there's lots of ways to pivot and and to react to this um so that's that's kind of if you're if you don't have capital you have to sell your time that's life um if you have capital Look for those opportunities, but we are really looking ahead and saying what categories are going to be, you know, coming back eventually, right? There's going to be some pent up demand and what will also suffer a big, um, you know, fallback and look for any new trends that may may be uh, happening as a result of this behavior change. And I quite agree with Kevin. You know, I, I can't predict the future. I don't know how long this virus stuff lasts. The lockdowns could go away instantly. They could last for a lot longer but something's going to change behavior's going to change do your best make your best bets and be in a position to win we are leaning in to yeah. uh, several categories and trying to uh, take advantage and and the final thought i'll i'll leave this one for kim but he's totally right about influencers like in luggage they're desperate for other clients go get them make it make it work it really is mm. you know buy low sell high hey there's an idea write that one down everybody <laughs> Excellent.
1: Kian? Yeah, yeah. And I would say like regardless of like whatever your income level level is, I would just say um discipline yourself to get 1% better every single day in a time like this. I would say like improve the leader, improve the business. Like a lot of people sort of look for the business hacks and say, okay, what's the best way to get organic traffic? And what's this, what's that? And you just look for hacks. But I'm like, now is the time to improve. What skill set do you want to develop? What do you want to get better at? And now devote one hour, two hours to that every single day because there's no excuses right now. And you can really come out of this with a new skill that you never had before. That's what I'd be focusing on. I've, I've basically like, in this time, Danny and I were talking about it off air before, like I'm waking up at 4.30 every morning. I've never done that before in my life. And I just said to Danny, I've had the most productive week I've ever had in my life. And uh, you just really get disciplined, uh, focus on something, have an objective, and come out of this a better person.
0: Indeed. Um, okay, so look, this rep that there. This episode is going to be a replay. It will appear on 179, Steve, is that right, on awesomers.com? Correct. Yep.
2: Oscars.com
0: slash so, 179. So you'll get the replay there, and it will also appear on Seller Sessions through the usual channels. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in today. Kian, what's the best way that everyone can reach you?
1: So I'm actually doing something really cool tonight. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very active on Instagram, right? And my Instagram is just Kian underscore JG. Tonight, for the very first time, I'm doing an Instagram Live, which I've never done before. But what I did is I'm bringing in three very special guests. Uh, first guy, a guy called Alex Quinn, Good friend of mine in the states and he's basically a forbes accredited marketer he does marketing for nike adidas all that we're gonna have a 20 minute conversation uh, after that i've got my friend jake haveron who is a uh, motivational speaker and does a lot of fitness and nutrition for tony robbins's guys and fortune 500 ceos he's going to talk about how to stay fit and then i've got a guy called jeff seconder who's going to teach everyone how to get to get zero percent credit and i'm going to do that one hour tonight from 7 till 8 p.m uk time on instagram so if you check it out it's going to be a lot of fun so hopefully
0: see you there excellent uh and you kevin uh, yeah, the best way is
3: probably uh, on Facebook, AMZ Marketer. Or uh yeah, yeah, that's probably the best way to actually get a hold of me. Or uh, you know, be sure to check out productsavants dot uh, com. It's the thing that Steve and I do together. Or if you're uh, selling for uh selling quite a bit uh, already in the e-commerce or Amazon space, uh billion dollar Excellent.
0: And for you, Steve.
3: Yeah,
2: easiest thing, awesomers.com slash podcast,
3: and uh, you know, you'll you'll see
2: what I'm up to and stay in touch.
0: Great. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Guys, you know where to find me. I'll be back here 4 p.m. UK time as ever tomorrow and the next day. Whilst we're on lockdown, we've been doing seven days a week. It's not going to stop. We're here to support you. Stay home, be healthy, much love, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, everybody.